Welcome to Ponderings from the Perch, the Little Bird Marketing Company podcast. As always, this is your host, Priscilla McKinney, and I have with me a special guest today. We're going to hear from Simon Dunn of Keenest Mustard Marketing, and I'm going to give you a little spoiler. You're going to love this whole interview because he has an amazing accent. Yes, you guessed it. I've got another friend from across the pond on this uh, on this show, and that alone, really, Simon, the pressure is off. All of us Americans just like listening to you talk, so it's all good. <laughs> I can relax now already. Before you can, I you can. <laughs> I'm off on the right foot. <laughs> yes, I love it. Well, welcome, Simon. Um, Simon is at Kina's Mustard, and we got to know each other. We were both sharing a stage at Insights Marketing Day in New York, and he was actually speaking about... Uh, the visualization of marketing research data and about presenting your data in effective infographics. Do, I mean, do you feel like I was listening, Simon? Yeah, no, you got it spot on, considering it was a couple of years ago as well. I think I obviously had a great deal of impact and uh, managed to communicate my uh, uh, my knowledge sufficiently well. Well, you did. But I also, before we start down this real interview, I also have to say, people, Simon is a very classy person because after we were hanging out in London, we went with a couple of other people who were speaking at this event, went out for some drinks and just talking. And after I left, I went to go pay my bill and Simon had paid it. So. Mr. Classy, Simon Dunn. Goodness me, I'm going to walk away from this with a big head, aren't I? This is, uh, <laughs> I'll come back again and do another one of these. <laughs> well, I, you know, one thing I don't know about you, and I know that my audience would like to hear a little bit more about your, your story, but before we tell about how you got to Kena's Mustard, because people who are listening are not familiar with what Kena's Mustard is, why don't you tell us a little bit about the agency and what the specialization is there? And that could dovetail right into your role and, you know, you provide something pretty different to the team. And I'd like to hear more about your story. But first of all, let's hear about Kina's Mustard in general. OK, well, I'll give you a little bit of history, which kind of f- feeds into, sort of, you know, why why we're here. Um, I mean, basically, we're, we're, we're a very niche marketing agency. So we actually do marketing for the insights industry. So that's sort of market researchers and so forth. We were set up about, well, 2006. So my business partner, Lucy Davison, set up the business in 2006. Um, and she was a global marketing director for a large market research agency. If, if any market researchers are around, uh, they might recognize the name Research International. Um, and as when she was working there, she found that it was very difficult to find marketing agencies that really understood the research and insights industry properly. Um, so when she so she essentially left the business to set up Keener's Mustard with a with a view to actually purely working for for market research and insights companies going forward, and that that's been the case for the last um, ten years. So we're quite a small team uh, of six people, and uh, we at the core of our business is PR and media relations. So not in the scary sense of the sort of, you know, the big uh, PR companies, but more targeted at the insights industry, obviously. And then, sort of, you know, from that, that core, we actually produce a lot of content for, for the insights industry. So coming up with ideas for 
self-funded effectively research that they can do to to kind of get into their target media and then beyond that my my background's design so i do quite a lot of design uh, work i also sort of you know do a fair amount with the marketing and sort of you know i'm quite technically orientated so i i get involved in sort of you know helping build websites doing the planning for those um email campaigns all that kind of thing so that's a that's a kind of a bit of a potted history of uh, keener's mustard <laughs> so you get the either simon make this look good or simon fix this yeah, yeah, basically, yeah. That's a really good uh, and succinct uh, description of my job. Actually, it's uh, that reminds me my my wife because I'm because my background's design and she obviously has a in a way sort of you know partners and spouses do um, have a kind of slightly vague idea of what you do for a living. So she describes me as um, he does colouring in for a living. <laughs> because <laughs> the question is, Simon, do you stay inside the lines? That's the question. Well, I hope so. Yes, yes, I'd be pretty poor. At coloring it if I didn't. <laughs> well, you know, that is one thing that we have in common. I think this is why, you know, you, me, Lucy, Adam, we've been able to connect and talk, really talk shop, because we are specialized uh, agencies. We really do work with a niche. You all even more so, because correct me if I'm wrong, but you don't take anything but something in the market research space, correct? Yes, that's right. I think, um, you know, we're entirely focused on it. So we sort of try and do as much as we can to events and um, things within the industry. We also run our own events. Uh, we have a BizFest event, in, uh, which is an online event about visualization, and that's purely focused at the insights industry. So, so you know, we, we just, you know, we found our niche and we stay there because otherwise, you know, it essentially will become sort of a little bit watered down if we start mm-hmm. to sort of spur off into other things. So it's a, it's a very, very deliberate strategy. Well, you know, I had Peter Leviton. He was from, I don't know if you ever met him when he was in at Saatchi Saatchi, London, but he is a friend of mine and a, he was on the podcast and you might be interested to listen to that podcast, but he talked a lot about specialization and really about agency growth and that if we are not specialized, you know, that that is really in this day and age going to hurt an agency and that there are some exceptions to that. But it is interesting because we're specialized in a particular proprietary program that we created for content marketing, content management, lead generation. Mm. And we happen to have about half of our business in that market research space. But it is interesting talking with you in that you have that process completely drilled down to to MRX or into, into market research. So I, I do think that's interesting. But I do want to let you get a plug. Tell us a little bit more about uh, BizFest. Um, who should come to this and where it's going to be on all of that good stuff. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's it's actually held um, once a year, usually um, at the end of October, um, November. And it's uh, it's an online, they're basically uh, um, webinars. Mm-hmm. So it's an online webinar held over four days, two hours a day, and we get all different sorts of speakers in. Um, and they talk about sort of various sort of visualization, sort of delivery of research, of market research insights, that kind of thing. Um, so obviously the last one was um, November uh, 2017. But if you go to uh, biz-fest.com, that's the site that, uh, that it's run from. Um, and also what you can do is actually look at all the past um, presentations that are held as videos on that site. So um 
very much a, a big plug for us. Thank you very much. But uh, yeah, that's cool. Now it's Viz Fest is in Visualization Fest, yes, right? Yes, that's right. Yes, Viz Fest. dot com. Now the the rumors are that you're going to be also hosting IMD this next year. Is this true? Yes, absolutely. I don't think we've narrowed down to precisely what date we're going to do it because. Uh, I think there's some issues with a sort of public holiday in the UK around that time, but uh, but yes, we're certainly going to be doing that. Um, we're getting the, the the speakers involved and uh, uh, and starting to sort of plan it all out. So hopefully, Priscilla, are you might be coming again or I would love to yeah absolutely fantastic <laughs> are you kidding I still didn't get I didn't get my scotch egg last time I was there all oh, right oh no <laughs> <laughs> well I'll have to put some aside for you okay thank you very much because uh, the other thing that you and I and Adam have in common is our our foodie nature so yes absolutely <laughs> um, yes it's great to swap it swap so be, before we move on to business let's stay in that foodie thing for a minute so um, I know you live outside of London, so you come in. But um, when you are in London, what what is your favorite pub spot or where's your favorite uh, uh, dinner? Do you have like a, a local tip? Um, I, to be honest, I, I feel as though I've become a little bit disconnected from London because uh, just as a background and aside, I grew up in London and then I met a, a girl from Yorkshire uh, which is about people that don't know about 200 miles north of London and we moved obviously you know up to Yorkshire and then I ended up coming down to London once once a week so my default thing to do because I don't go out an awful lot in London now is is to ask Adam or Lucy uh, where the best places to go are, <laughs> so that I can get a little bit of a pointer uh, uh, from them. So, I, I, am I am I like totally tattling on Adam? But you know, I, are you aware of all of the great food that Adam and I ate when we were both speaking in Chicago last year? <laughs> I, I, yes, I can. I can believe that Adam does does <laughs> so much. He does like uh, does like his food, and uh, oh, I, I remember when he went. Blast. When you went to New York as well, I think you had it all planned out, literally meal by meal in advance, yes. what I'm restaurants sorry. he's going to. And <laughs> yeah, so you have our calling card. You know exactly what we're up to. I, I, I don't know about Adam, but I also inter- intertwine it with I, it's also what museums I'm seeing on that trip. Oh, fantastic. Yes. Yeah. And that's you see, that's another thing that I missed from sort of living in Yorkshire away from London is sort of museums and galleries and that sort of thing. It, you know, it's not quite as accessible as it, as it used to be when I lived in London. So it's a great when you're traveling and you have that opportunity to do that kind of thing, isn't it, really? Yeah. Well, if we meet up then at IMD this year in London, we'll go to a museum and we'll go have a fantastic dinner. How about that? Sounds like a plan. <laughs> okay, okay. So, like, I got to, you know, people just already expect of me, like, the total Anglophile that I am. So I love coming to London any chance I get. Well, <laughs> let's talk a little bit about what you spoke on, um, you know, not specifically, but about what your feelings are about visualization and about why you sometimes are involved in, you know, user experience for web. Um, you know, at what point do you get involved in some of the corporate branding you know, here's the other part of the team at Keen as Mustard who's working on the big overall strategy, getting that PR mm. and get, and then you turn around and boom, hey, the website's not where it needs to be. Or, um, you know, we're trying to make this point, we're getting get this PowerPoint done. We need to, you know, show people in the industry that this client of ours is a leader, is a thought leader, is a, a leader in innovation or whatever it is. So what are, what, what are your first thoughts when you're pulled into a project like that? Um, I suppose. I mean, I do get involved in the projects quite earlier on, early on, because so you know, being a, a, a partner in the business, um, um, I, I do 
sort of know what's going on and I see the projects coming in and everything. And obviously it varies quite a lot. You know, if you know, sometimes we'll be involved with um, end clients, what we call end, end clients. Um, and what I mean by that is uh, not the agencies that do the market research, but the companies that, com- that commission them. So, for example, that might be um, sort of Coca-Cola or Unilever or someone like that. Uh, and maybe they, they, they often have internal or certainly those companies have internal um, insights teams, market research teams mm-hmm. um, that work with external agencies. And sometimes um, they struggle to communicate what's going on, you know, the insights that they found. So we can get involved at that point. Um, sometimes we'll get involved at the agency side. So they're delivering some work to a client and they just need to sort of make it a little bit more designed, uh, have a little bit more impact with the client. And then there's the kind of, so that's the kind of deliverable element. So the PowerPoint, the infographics, the video, that kind of thing. Um, but there's also the kind of more traditional marketing uh, side of things. So, so, you know, we're obviously a marketing agency, so we're trying to help market research and insights agencies basically impress their end clients so the likes of Unilever and Coca-Cola so we'll work with them on you know their as you said their strategy uh, mm-hmm. which hopefully would inv- evolve into a, a new new uh, website or brand refresh and then on into ongoing marketing but what often happens is we're we're pulled in um, to improve marketing we might tweak the website and then we might move into sort of you know the marketing process so the the uh, pr media relations pro- process creating the content that kind of thing so it can come at all sorts of different angles you know sometimes people know that their brand and their website it really needs sort of something doing with it the company's changed and it no no longer represents who they are it's out of date you know it makes them look a little bit behind the times um or sometimes you know they don't appreciate that. So we have to go through a process of sort of education, you know, maybe through working with them on their marketing to actually show them that that's the case. So, you know, it's, there's no, to be honest, there's no easy answer to that question. It, you know, you, you can get involved in all sorts of different ways. We could get, you know, we could get pulled in to do a brand and website and then suddenly re- they, they, they realize, oh, you know what, it'd be great to have sort of marketing support as well. Or mm-hmm. we're pulled in to do the sort of PR media relations and then as a process of working, with with the company they suddenly realize oh you know we need a new website it's not really doing the job that we want it to do Mm so there's lots of variables basically well now you and lucy you know just directing that and deciding where the firm is going and deciding which jobs you'll take and or what what you're not after i'm kind of curious about your process are the two of you working from a wish list um you know because you are so embedded in the industry look this is who we want to work with and you're attacking it from that, or you know, what what what's your thought? What's your thought on that? Um, we we obviously have companies that we'd quite like to work with. So um, we do some um, marketing work with Sappy Store, um, and that had been on our radar for a couple of years before we actually started working with them. So that was definitely a, a business that we were interested in working with. Mm-hmm. Um, but we don't specifically in a kind of I suppose so we don't I don't think intellectualize it's the right word but we don't <laughs> kind of like create a list of companies and, oh we'd love to work with them you know maybe we should but we don't actually operate that way so you know essentially we try and make ourselves as visible as we can within the market 
place. So we, right. we, <laughs> you know, we do get involved in all these events all over the place um, to sort of, you know, get the word out about us. And then we'll talk to clients and, uh, you know, if they come to us and sort of, you know, ask us for help, we'll, we'll look into what, what they want to do. Mm-hmm. And then obviously, if we don't think we're able to help them there, or then we're up front with them and explain the situation and, uh, and that's it. Um, but, you know, often enough, we, we, you know, they know who we are. They know what we can do. It's usually word of mouth or recommendation. Um, mm-hmm. So we're generally in a good good position to, to help them with their, with their marketing or their design. Well, you are at a lot of these industry events, um, everything from SOMR. You guys weren't at TMRE this year, but that's across the pond. So Mm. maybe that's not, you know, really within um, the scope of what you want to do um, on a regular basis. Yes, (laughs) Um, It it is difficult, actually, because, you know, a lot of our business is U.S. based. um, And, you know, we try and get across the pond as often as possible. But obviously, Mm -hmm. they're cost implications and yeah. uh, and certainly time and uh, and as you probably know exhaustion implications as well so. <laughs> i know I just, i'm coming back from two trips and in fact uh, just this on sunday i got grounded in dfw had to get a hotel and i got back and literally i you know i, I came in in the afternoon came to work because i had a couple of meetings went home that night got repacked and I left on the flight in the morning because, you know, just one one small glitch and you get grounded somewhere means you don't have a day of rest in between. And, you know, it doesn't happen a lot, but you're right. It's not just sometimes about the money. It is also about that fatigue. And at some point when you can't make those connections anymore it's kind of pointless to be at those places (laughs) yeah you do have to sort of like pick and choose to some extent and i know that if we kind of miss a particular event one year then we'll obviously put more emphasis on going back the next but Mm -hmm. uh, as you as you know the market research industry is quite a uh, well they're quite a sort of close-knit industry mm-hmm. and a lot of people know each other um so you know these those kind of events are the, the best way for us to um to, to meet people and talk to and get to get to know them and then that's backed up with the marketing that we do for ourselves right right yeah and that marketing for yourself is the 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 VizFest and and hosting exactly. these types of you know that's a great great way to um, constantly be show the industry that you're a thought leader, that you're innovating, et cetera. So I love that. Well, you and Lucy working together on just where the company's going, um, is there something that strikes you as what you wish you, like if you were back at the beginning of the company that you wish you would have changed, what something that would have helped you? Um, you know, I, I, I talked to, this is kind of the client side of things. One thing I usually hear from people is that, oh my gosh, we should have built our, our own email list really a lot sooner. Yes. Um, yeah. What's the equivalent for you as an agency? Is there something you wish you would go back, could go back and, and change about the way you set up the foundation of the company? Well, I have to be honest with you. And, um, I mean, I didn't start, I didn't start at Mustard when Lucy set the business up in 2006. I yeah, joined about in, what, six, five, six years six ago. Years yeah. yeah, that's, that's, that's right. So, but now well, every day you're involved in that, in those, in where are we going discussions? Right? Yes. Yeah. I, I honestly, I think to some extent, and I know it's something that Lucy sort of struggled with was the confidence in yourself. Um, mm-hmm. to, to actually have have the confidence in yourself to to say no to sort of direct people in the way that you think is the best direction for their business from their marketing perspective, um, 
and also sort of you know the value of certainly in our industry obviously it varies enormously depending on what industry you're in but certainly in our industry going to events and really really engaging with the with the industry as a whole because it's sort of rewarding in the sense that you're giving something back to the insights and sort of you know market research industry but also you do get some something back yourselves in the form of your sort of marketing so i think potentially you know the confidence to to actually I suppose push back on clients a little bit and mm-hmm. sort of be a little bit more robust with them and also you know actually getting out there and sort of, you know uh, meeting people and going to events and that kind of thing that's something that you know we've always done to some extent but you know we've certainly done more of that in the last sort of you know uh, three or four years. Um, Simon, here's my tip. I find that drinking helps. (laughs) (laughs) Drinking always helps. (laughs) Well, I I have to tell you, okay, this is full confession is that this is my 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 little my little tip. Here's my my trick. You may already use it. But, you know, when I'm going to. So, for example, last time I went to London where where we saw each other, Mm. um, I, you know, I knew you before I knew several other people from London. And so I reached out to some of my friends and just said, hey, I'm going to London. I'm going to be speaking at this event. But is there someone interesting you think I should meet from your list of contacts? Now, they don't have to be. I I told them for sure. I promise you, I will not make any kind of a sales pitch. I'm just trying to meet people and network and connect. Mm -hmm. And I also promise them I will either buy them the most amazing cocktail or absolutely fabulous lunch. I promise you that. So you will not be embarrassed if you hand over a really great contact to me. I had so many friends give me that. I I ate at, um, let's see, oh, what's his name? Oh, Jamie Oliver's. Um, oh, yes. Yeah. I ate at, uh, what is it? It's a number, 15, right? Yeah, yeah something like that. I can 15, never remember anyway. it. Yeah. There, I had drinks with someone at the Goring Hotel. I had drinks with someone at the Ritz-Carlton. I mean, the list just went on and on. I just, I got, oh, oh, I took some some guys out to the Savoy. Mm. I mean, I just hit all of, so I got my pleasure in of getting to go to these awesome places, but I got to meet people and then they were like, oh, well, it's lunch or it's just drinks or it was really nice. And we had a great conversation. Half of them I'm still very connected with and half yeah. of them. It was a pleasurable hour. And yes, yes. Great. Let's yeah, move no, no. on. <laughs> you know? Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, so it, that was, it is, I bring that up to say, you know, we go to a lot of events. You go to a lot of events. We're constantly networking. But there is a big difference between really connecting with people, being able to be present and engage with people, because otherwise it's just these weird meet and greets, right? Oh, yes, yes. I think if it's if it's forced and unnatural, it just doesn't really work. And, you know, I do, I do think it's also a mistake. As you say, it's not about trying to sell to people. Um, it's about actually helping them and just chatting and having a conversation, even if it's not about work, because, mm-hmm. it, you know, it, it can be a little bit too focused on work sometimes. And mm-hmm. really, it's about just having a conversation, as you say, and sort of having a nice time. And, you know, if it, something comes out of that at some point, well, all well and good. And if if not, doesn't matter, does it? As you say, you've had a nice conversation. And, and if you were at the Ritz-Carlton, you also had a lovely cocktail, too. So what <laughs> yes, what exactly. do we have to lose here? Well, I thought when you were exp- explaining the cocktail lunch thing, I thought you were going to say all oh, the Brits went plumped for the uh, cocktails rather than the lunch, because that would be relatively <laughs> typical, to be honest. So, <laughs> My husband just calls it social lubricant, so <laughs> right, yes, yes, I so call them cocktails. <laughs> The thing is, uh, you know, everyone's a little bit shy, aren't they? And uh, I do think, sort of, you know, uh, 
social lubricant helps a little bit. <laughs> mm-hmm. For sure, for sure. Well, hey, I talk a lot about um, mindset shifts in in my work, and I'll give you a couple of examples, and then I'm going to ask you for one that you kind of wave your magic wand. What do you wish you could change in in the mindset, you know, for your clients? But sometimes I bumped into a few of these. I'll give you a few examples. Um, someone talks about, you know, revising their website or doing SEO. And I'm all, oh, could we have that mindset shift? It's not a one-time thing. Mm-hmm. This is a continual, you yes. know, it's like, it. please, yeah, this is not one budget and we're going to get this done in three months. And then you're never going to look at your website for another eight, eight years. Yes. You know, That's what yeah. people want to do. They just want to kind of give, <laughs> hand the loads of money over and uh, just do that. And then uh, we can forget about it. <laughs> right, right. Well, 1988 called. They want their mentality back. <laughs> so, so, you know, that's one. And then like in, in the hiring side, a lot of times when I'm bringing in, you know, younger people or newer people, I want that shift in mentality of, oh, social media. Yeah, I know how to use it like, you know, for personal use. And yes. I'm always trying to get them to understand the shift is so different for business use. Yes. And, you know, so there's a mindset shift that hap- has to happen there. Um, and, uh, to you know, one one thought of it is sometimes with personal stuff, sometimes we sugarcoat things or sometimes we, you know, um, we, you know, we, we don't sell. We don't we obviously to our friends or this kind of stuff, yes. unless you're in multi-level marketing, in which case you're not on my Facebook. <laughs> but, um, but sometimes we just out of politeness, we're doing a lot of, oh, if you want to this and maybe and here I have this, event, you know, this kind of stuff. Mm. And in business, that mindset shift, a lot of times I tell people, if you feel it, just say it like, well, I feel like it's awkward contacting someone on LinkedIn. I go, well, there's your first sentence. I see. Yes. Yes. That's a great idea. I feel awkward contacting you on LinkedIn, but I really genuinely want to connect. What Mm. do you think we should do? Mm. You know, here's an idea. So kind of like that mindset shift of, well, if you feel it, say it, because in the business world, that's a relief. It's a pattern interrupt. People aren't used to people truly being upfront with what their what their um, intention is. So mm-hmm. that's a great mindset shift. So those are kind of two that I use in very different places. But is there something that you can think of that sometimes you just want to, you know, see that, you know, that client and just grab their neck just ever so gently at the beginning. <laughs> um, I, do, I do have an example in mind. It's a, it's okay. a, bit, of a, it's a bit of a design-related uh, example, mm. and it's something that a lot of designers complain about. Is uh, And uh, I suppose as designers we would say this, wouldn't we? But it's actually valuing design. Um, you know, your your sort of logo, meaning your, you know, your logo mark and uh, your your logo and your brand. So your brand being your website, the way you behave, everything around it are incredibly valuable for, to the to, to your business. And I think from a design perspective, they can be sort of, you know, they you can sort of very much undervalue it. So um, a, a great example of this is we. Um, I'm not going to mention any names, obviously, but we we spent a bit of time um, doing a, I suppose, a UX, so usability design on a uh, an online software product. So a couple of landing pages, basically. We spent a, sort of quite a lot of time and effort working on them. Um, and through that process, we have regular catch up meetings with our clients to sort of, you know, discuss how things are going and to get their input in. And uh, the client had a bit of a sort of like what I would consider not a great um, logo for various reasons. 
Um, sort of technically it was fine, but sort of visually it wasn't wasn't so great. Didn't really I didn't feel as though it really represented them and who they were. Um, mm-hmm. And they had previously talked to us about sort of doing a design, uh, redesigning it. And I and I said, well, we'd have to go through a, a, a process, a strategy process to work out who you are, what you stand for, and then kind of evolve that into into a, into a design. Um, and they kind of bought that a bit and backed off. Um, and then subsequently, as I say, in, this, in one of these meetings, um, the CEO sort of turned to me and said, oh, by the way, um, I'm, I'm getting a new logo. I was like, oh, right. OK, great. You know, it's, oh, and it only costs £200. No. <laughs> so I was like, oh, right. OK, so, so you really value your brand then. Um, and uh, <laughs> funny enough, um, they, they kind of, it took them a few weeks or a month or so to go through this process of getting the new logo. Um, and then they kind of let us know that they launched this new logo. And, and you know, I didn't really say anything about it because, it, in honesty, it was worse than the old logo. Mm-hmm. Um, and then subsequently, a few week, weeks ago, I, I noticed that they had actually swapped it back for the old logo. So I think as a sort of a mindset change, I do think, sort of, you know, valuing, your logo and your brand as a whole is something that um, that that I would like people to sort of you know to to understand that there's an enormous amount of value there. You know, it represents who you are. It's your kind of it's your personality basically. So, uh, and, and I often think that people don't actually sort of you know value that that highly enough. Mm, I love that. I love it. I think that's so true. Now we're talking shop and I'm thinking about several others and I'm like, yeah. And also, <laughs> yeah, <my husband. laughs> you, like, like you guys do a lot of social media and, and everything. And when, when you're looking at content distribution, that's uh, down the down the pike. I find mindset shift is a lot of people come to me talking about the social media and I'm like, social media doesn't matter unless you know what the copy is. What are we doing at the top? Who are we talking? Who's the target? You know, there's so many things that happen before we just run out to social media. Yes, you know, yes. but they come at it from the opposite way, trying to come up that little tiny funnel as opposed yes. to start at the top. Yes, yes. You know? I mean, um, there's, not that, there's not that sort of holistic approach to marketing. So I, I suppose, I mean, to be honest, you know, this could easily turn into a conversation about sort of all complaining about clients, but which we're not <laughs> doing, obviously. But, um, but you know, there is that kind of holistic approach of of actually you don't do one thing in marketing. You don't just sort of like do your new brand, launch a website and then sit back and wait for the work to come in. Or you don't just think, oh, you know what? I'm not on Twitter. Let's go on Twitter and mm-hmm. do a, do some posts and stuff and then wait for the work coming to come in. It's all about actually doing all of those things, like joining them all up, having a plan, having mm-hmm. your sort of like, you know, your, your sort of client segmentations as to sort of who, as you said who you're targeting what you're doing and uh, and so forth it's a it's a whole joined up kind of almost a web of of stuff that you're doing and each links to each other and you do really need to be doing all of them or at least uh, the majority of them to to have the effect that you you want to need and also you know, you need to be doing it for quite a long time. You know, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah, it's not going to be overnight. <laughs> I know. I keep telling my staff, you know, if we keep if we keep working this way for another ten years, we're going to be an overnight success. <laughs> but you know, along with what you're saying about design, the undervaluing of design and really quality design. There are people out there who are freelancing it really cheap. You know, you can get a logo online for two hundred dollars. It's not that you can't. 
Next question is, is that really the value you place there? Likewise, you know, how many times have you heard, oh, my brother-in-law does websites. Oh, my, my niece will take that photography or the intern will post the social media. Yes. Yes. Good God. The intern. This is like, we've worked so hard to get all of this content and all this other thing. And now this is the critical, very like, okay, what's my 70, you know, 70 character amazing title for what I'm putting out on social. And I've distilled it all the way down. And you think somebody who doesn't even properly work here is going to do that piece? Yes, yes, exactly. And, and to a large extent, it's about sort of uh, professionalism, isn't it? To, to, yeah. Yeah, you wouldn't you wouldn't get your intern to sort of, you know, uh, do some legal work for you or, <laughs> you know, or, you know, uh, sign the contract on the new the new offices that you're going to move into or sort of, you know, all of these all of these sort of things. Whereas, you know, there is a DIY attitude to um, design and marketing to some extent. I, said, I mean, I don't quite know why that is. I don't know if it's because it's quite accessible and, um, you know, the via the internet and everything you're you, you now have guides on how to do things um mm-hmm. uh, as i say i don't quite know the the reason for it but you, there is definitely a a, a kind of a, a diy attitude and also because mm-hmm. you know budgets are quite tight and that kind of thing it feels like the natural thing you know what we can we can get someone in the team to do this so someone in the team to to go on sort of you know squarespace and build us a website or you know the, the, the and I can totally understand it in fairness, but, mm-hmm. you know, that it is something that we have to kind of work against and sort of, you know, educate against. Right, right. Yeah, continually. Mm. Yeah, and, and you're right, it is done, but is it done well? Yes, is it, yes. Is it actually being a part of your the foundation of your platform for your message? It's going to, you know, is it a strong enough vehicle to carry you all the way through? Mm. It's a very different mentality. I, I love that. Well, tell us a little bit about the name Keenest Mustard. Yeah, yeah so I, I this, this is quite a bit of a funny one. I, I guess a lot of your audience might not be actually aware of the phrase keen as mustard. Um, and it's something that we didn't consider uh, when the company name was brought about, that we'd actually have a lot of business in the U.S. Um, so uh, it wasn't an issue at the time. But keen as busted basically means really, really keen. So very, very keen. Let's get up and do it. Let's sort of get involved. You know, it just means really, really keen. So mm-hmm. I don't quite know the um, the. Um, background to it. I suspect a lot of our website traffic is trying to actually find out what the phrase keen as mustard actually means. Um, <laughs> so I think that might be why our bounce rate is very slightly higher than maybe it should be But uh, when they find a marketing uh, uh, company. Um, but uh, but yes, uh, um, you know, that's the background to it. And it was just to sort of, you know, communicate that we're really, really keen. And also as a standout, it's something that sticks in the memory. It's a it's a sort of like a, it, it kind of a little hook, basically, to to sort of you know pull you in a little bit. Right. Well, I I I toyed um, for so long. I joked around about it about changing our name to Elbow Grease Marketing because, you know, at some point you just have to actually do it. 
<laughs> you can talk about it for only so long. <laughs> and it turns out you can talk about it longer if martinis are being served. Yes, but yes. still, at some point, you still have to actually you go actually do, it. do it. And not have martinis <laughs> present at the time. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> uh, it was either that or smoke and mirrors marketing. So I thought that would not be a great idea. <laughs> Uh, I think that's what our, a lot of our uh, clients um, get, and that's why they end up coming to one of our companies in the end. Yes. So, so why did you come up with sort of little bird marketing? That's the... Well, yeah, yeah. Um, I, and again, I don't know if this is lost in translation, but, you know, usually when someone shares really good news, mm. they start by saying, a little birdie told me. Oh, of course. Dot, yes. dot, dot. Yes. And so it not only means that there's really great news to share, that things are good, but it also um, intimates that you have an intimacy, you know, in the inner circle. Mm. Somehow, you know, you found out. And where we specialized at the beginning is we were our all of our coffee was around that we work with premier brands. Okay. We had high end spa, high end, you know, home places. So it basically the idea was if if you wanted to market to an elevated clientele and you wanted mm. to get personal and develop intimacy with your with your people, you weren't interested in just I'd look, I just have to sell twenty thousand widgets. Can you make that happen? Yes. We never took that work. No. So this idea of we wanted to be all about cultivating inner circle feelings for brands. Mm. So that's where that name that's comes a, that's from. That's a really nice idea. It's sort of very much word of mouth, isn't it? I suppose that's with those high-end brands, that's what you're trying to do, trying to get people to kind of uh, um, sort of know about the brand and and sort of say, oh, this is this great this great new thing, um, right. you know, sort of, you know, why do So it is all about sort of, uh, I suppose, Twitter to some extent, isn't it? That, that little chatter. It, it is. I know. I was just going to say, you know, it is prestige. And I think that that thought came out. Remember, um, I, I don't know how this went down in the UK, but, you know, you had to be on certain Twitter circles in order to find out where the awesome food trucks were coming. Okay. Yes. <laughs> you yes, know, yes. so this kind of, you know, people like that idea of being the prestige when, when Pinterest first launched, you had to get an invite from somebody to get on Pinterest. Do you remember that? Uh, no, don't. I don't. I don't actually. We use Pinterest a lot, but I don't. I don't remember. I know that when Facebook started, it was purely campuses, wasn't it originally? And yes, I remember exactly. my brother-in-law left university and came to London to work when we were in London, and he said, "Oh, there's this new." thing called Facebook that you should go on and you know it just literally could just come out of that um mm -hmm. that campus only environment and right, you know, right. so it gives that sense of prestige like mm. yeah this brand is important but by extension it makes me feel important to be connected to this brand yes no no absolutely and I suppose yeah. there's an element of that you know in the in sort of like a YouTube marketing isn't there in the sense that people who uh, people follow then promoting right. brands within that and that's all about that kind of like village style communication isn't it it's mm -hmm. you know, there's a whole sort of i suppose business isn't there about how the modern world is no longer based in a village style um, right. and almost social media is stepping into that to kind of almost create that sort of village gossip that village chatter um mm -hmm. uh, that i guess these sort of you know these brand ambassadors that you see on youtube are, are kind of like an extension of that kind of villagey uh, uh type environment right right hey have you by any chance have you read the book uh tribe by sebastian younger no no I, the, the name rings a bell but uh, i've not read it no 
No, he, yeah, because he's he's written so many other like great things. I mean, you know, so many other great things. But based on just that, you know, what we just talked about there, you would probably really enjoy, uh, really enjoy that book. And how I mean, he got famous because of the the perfect storm. But oh, okay. this this book tribe really, I think, is incredibly helpful for marketers because it's it's I think subtitled something like um, about homecoming and what it means to belong. Hmm. something like that to that effect and uh yeah it's really interesting that village that prestige that connection and you mentioned that earlier that word of mouth you guys rely on it and i always counteract that with people saying yes word of mouth is super important but who what what is it that you do in marketing to remind them to open their mouths about you Hmm. and secondly when they open their mouth have you fed them the line have you told your story in a way that is they've intuitive they've internalized deeply enough where they actually are saying what you would have them say. Yes. Yes. And, you know, so I think that piece is there that, you know, you and I, especially you, you guys would know that even more deeply because you deal in PR and I don't, I always outsource PR mm. and that's such a nuanced uh, skill. Yes. <laughs> yes. That's also a mindset. I don't think people appreciate how nuanced PR is. No, no. I mean, I, I, I don't, I know a lot more about PR now than um, I, I did before, but um, um, it is a very particular skill set. So I do not get involved in doing any of it at all because mm-hmm. I think I'll be a bit rubbish at it, to be honest. But uh, <laughs> um, um, but they they do, you know, Lucy and, and Adam and um, Julie, they, they do a fantastic um, job at it. And, you know, it's, it's a real skill set. It's, you know, like building mm-hmm. the getting these great ideas for studies that you could do, building the, the building the study, creating the content, doing the PR. It's a it's a real sort of, you know, process and it has to be a very carefully sort of managed process because you're sort of mm-hmm. dealing with journalists that, uh, right. that that you know you want to be have a continuing relationship with. So you've got to be very, very careful sort of, you know, how you work with them and, and sort of, you know, uh, what you do with them. Don't piss them off, basically. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, in, in terms of like what you actually do in the design and, and um, end user experience, for sure, um, you know, that idea of how we feel, you know, your design can either make someone feel like they belong very quickly. And this mm. is okay. This is my space. Or I feel, you know, sometimes people see a brand and be like, yeah, that's not me. I, I can't afford that. Or mm. they say, oh, you know, they, they, it can be positive. Now, you know, you, in what you are doing, even in design, it is political. Yes. Yeah. It absolutely. Is. <laughs> I think it's, it's, it's fascinating design itself. I just think it's absolutely fascinating. And it, there's, there's so many levels to it. And there's, um, you know, what makes it really difficult is a lot of it's down to personal opinion. Now, whether that's a right or wrong thing, because you might hate a particular designer, a particular logo or a particular website, um, but it might actually be right for that business. So, you know, some of these classic examples, sometimes these things blow up where someone's relaunched a new brand and everyone says, oh, you know, it's horrible. You know, I really dislike it. And a lot of time that criticism is valid, but sometimes it isn't. It's, you know, it's uh, it's just a reaction to something new rather than actually a, a genuine assessment of whether that that logo's good or bad. I mean, we've, mm-hmm. I think actually, you know, going back to sort of the, the value that the brand brings uh, that you were saying earlier, um, you budget um, FMCG, so sort of, you know, like supermarket stuff um, is, is, is quite an interesting one because, 
you know, we've got a, a large supermarket called Tesco's um, here, and they have a, mm-hmm. a, a range called Tesco, Tesco's Value. Um, and they deliberately make the brand as sort of basic as they possibly can. I mean, it, I think it's grown a little bit more sophisticated recently, but they used to be just sort of like a, a plain white packaging with sort of like a, the blue logo, blue text and uh, a little symbol on the front. And it sort of, you know, had you know, baked beans or whatever, you know, all these this basic stuff. And, you know, it, it was horrible. It didn't look very nice, but it looked cheap. Um, so in the consumer's mind, they were thinking, right, ah, oh, this is the real, you know, the real value stuff. I mean, the danger mm-hmm. there, obviously, is, you know, as consumers become more sophisticated, and it's probably why they moved away from this this branding, as they become more sophisticated, um, something that looks cheap, looks cheap is not actually necessarily a good thing. Am I buying really cheap, low-quality foods here? Or, you know, there's, mm-hmm. there is that danger area. But it's very interesting the way you can – direct people's perception of things sort of, you know, via a brand or a... Uh, right. But for a mom who is trying to stay on a budget and needs that endorphin hit yes. of, I just saved money, yes. and I'm I'm a good mom, I did something good for my family, you know, that's very simple package, maybe just what the doctor ordered. Yeah, no, you know? yeah, no absolutely. You know, yeah, that's, I, it, it works. Totally it's, a, it's a cheap-looking design. It's not, you know, it's mm. not going to win any beauty contest but for that <laughs> that thing it's the right brand it's the thing that's right. going to work for them and as i say so there's there's all there's a lot of subtlety at play uh within design itself well paul rand said uh design is so simple that's why it's so complicated <laughs> yes yeah exactly yes yeah it's, uh, uh, lucy always uses a, a quote uh, the thing is i'm going to mess it up now because i won't remember it properly about um some I can't even remember who it was by, but um, it was um, it was basically uh, I've written you a long letter because I oh it's Mark Twain to, was it oh <laughs> I wrote you a, I wrote you a long letter because I didn't have time to write you a short one <laughs> exactly and that's very much true it's a similar parallel isn't it you know it takes a long time to write a very short impactful thing and I, I know you know we come across that a lot on websites you know to to really get across the essence of something on a web page it's very difficult to to put it into you know one sentence uh, on a sort of splash gate screen at the front um uh, and equally with with design it's very difficult to make something really really simple and um again i find it sometimes quite frustrating there's less of it now but people used to say oh i could have designed that logo um, when the sort of new Google logo comes out or something, oh, I could have designed that. It's just some mm-hmm. coloured letters. But there right. is a lot more to it. There's a lot more right. depth to it. Well, we have a phrase for that here in the U.S. It's called Monday morning quarterbacking. Oh, really? <laughs> yes. So there's Sunday night football. And then so on Monday, everybody sits. Yes. They still have their butt in a chair. And they seem to think that they have the right to say exactly how they would have done it, as if it's so easy. Yes, yes, exactly. <laughs> I'm sure you have the same football equivalent over there, but it, but ours is a is an interesting turn of phrase. No, I know, no, I, I I know exactly what you mean. I, I, it always makes me smile. Like my my son does rugby on a Sunday, um, mm-hmm. and um, they they're sort of like uh, under tens basically, and they're playing rugby, and all the dads are saying, "Oh, you should have you know passed it to this, <laughs> done this, that, the other," and I, I'm kind of like, well. You're not doing it. So right. just, you know. I have noticed that you are still sitting down. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yes. Oh, very, my gosh. Easy to critique. Oh, isn't it? Very funny. 
Yeah. Okay. Well, I want to give you one more plug for that VizFest because I know a lot of my audience would actually really enjoy that. So just give us that info where they can find it again. And then, of course, they can find you at Keen as Mustard. And uh, Simon's very easily to be reached on on LinkedIn, let me assure you. And um, we all are going to agree, though, that you owe me a scotch egg next time I'm in London. Can we do that? Absolutely. The scotch egg is coming. Um, Okay. Thank you, Priscilla. (laughs) Uh, The uh, BizFest, yeah, so it's it's basically um, it's a market research, uh, insights, uh, festival, uh, visualization and insights. Uh, you can find it at biz-fest, uh, biz-fest.com, so uh, B-I-Z-fest.com. And uh, if you visit the site, um, it does happen once a year, but there's loads and loads of recordings, so sort of like video recordings of the uh, of the sessions on there. You just have to register with your email, and then you can get into the page that holds them all and download as many as you, as you like or view as many as you like. What a treasure trove. So I'm Absolutely. I know that my I know that people listening will really appreciate that. So Simon, thank you so much for joining me. You and I could talk for hours, talk shop. <laughs> well, thank you very much for inviting me. It's been an absolute pleasure. I was sort of slightly worried about it because I'm I'm not a great commun- communicator. I do lots of erming and ahhing. Um, so, <laughs> but I did actually enjoy it. So thank you as a credit to you. Yes, I like talking to people who are actually involved in doing the work day in and day out and really know what it takes to move the ball forward for their for their client. That's There's just so much value to that, in my opinion. That's brilliant. Thank you. Awesome. Well, for Ponderings from the Perch, the Little Bird Marketing Company podcast, this has been Priscilla McKinney, Mama Bird here, along with Simon Dunn from Keenest Mustard, saying have a great day. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.